and welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield, and I'm recording this here in Chicago on Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. In the previous episode, I shared about the Bible in one verse. That was the title of the program. And spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to that program yet, that program focused on Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, and in particular, the statement that Paul makes, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as I shared in that program, that really is, according to the Apostle Paul, the central point of the entire Bible. And we trace that through beginning in verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1. That's really what Paul's saying there. The whole Bible comes down to this one key point, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord for that. What a wonderful, wonderful truth that is. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I encourage you to do that, and that will give you some uh, fuller explanation of, of what I'm speaking of here. But that was the, the focus of the previous program, is that the whole Bible comes down to this point of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But I didn't share, okay, if that's the central point of the Bible, how can we enter into the experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory? How can that become our experience? And I was talking with one brother who'd listened to the program, and he, he had that question. He felt I just left that unanswered. Well, of course, that's a very, very great topic. It's more than what you could ever cover in one program. But I do want to begin to consider that matter in this program and, as the Lord allows, in the next few programs. How can we enter into the experience of Christ within us being our hope of glory? How can that become real and practical to us in our experience? And as I say, that's a, it's a great topic. And I would add, it's, it's a mysterious topic. This is a mystery. I mean, something so great and so unspeakably profound as Christ living within us is a tremendous mystery. So it's not easy to explain. You know, I, lately, I'm not quite sure why I've been so impressed with this statement that we as the believers in Christ have received an uncreated life. Of course, as human beings, we're created. We're created human beings. You know, God made Adam out of the dust of the ground. Uh, we as his descendants are born of uh, flesh and blood. We are not uncreated. We're for sure, we're created. But the moment we believe in Christ, an uncreated life enters into us, and that life is Christ himself. That's why Paul says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I just, I just thought, that is just a breathtaking statement. There is something within me now as a believer in Christ that is uncreated. I have the very life of God. What a mystery this is, saints. I don't know in eternity if we can comprehend this mystery. To be born anew means we become a child of God, one who has the very divine, uncreated life of God. No wonder this is the central thing in the whole Bible. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible ends with the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to the earth from God. That's the goal, as I said in the previous program. But the central thing is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it is this central thing, this fact 
that Christ is now living within us, that is what ultimately produces the new Jerusalem and which accomplishes the goal God has of gaining the new Jerusalem. It's the central thing, the central point, the central matter of the whole Bible, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So yes, it's a very, very mysterious topic. I mean, you consider when you were born anew, wasn't that mysterious. Just You had no expectation. I certainly didn't. You know, when I was born anew, nobody understands until they have that experience. And it's the same way with this matter of really having Christ living within us as our hope of glory. It's so mysterious, beyond what we could ever know. So you can only explain it to a certain extent because it is so mysterious. But what you can do, and what I'm hoping to do in this, this episode and in some coming episodes as the Lord leads, is to provide some principles, some guidelines for how we can enter into the experience of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's all we can really do. But if we keep these principles, I think that can be helpful for us to enter into this experience. And another thing I would say is just like the experience of being born again, no one can enter into the experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory for you. You have to enter into that experience yourself. You have to deal with the Lord yourself to enter into that experience. You know, when I'm sharing the gospel with people, I, I always tell them, you know, your, your parents, your Bible teacher, maybe your pastor, whoever you want to listen to, uh, they cannot be born again for you. You have to have that experience yourself. You have to open your own heart to the Lord or it's never going to happen. No one can do that for you. And in the same way, if you're going to enter into this experience, that has to be something directly between you and God, between you and Christ. Uh, I can hopefully provide some guidance that is helpful in these messages. That's what I want to do. But you are the one who has to exercise yourself before the Lord to enter into that experience. No one can do that for you. So again, what I'm trying to do in these programs is to provide some general guidelines. Now, the first principle that I want to cover in this regard and what I want to spend the rest of this episode talking about may seem to contradict a little bit what I just said. Because what I want to focus on, and this may surprise some people, is that our entering into the experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory, very much depends on a healthy ministry. In other words, we need brothers laboring on our behalf to help us enter into the experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that doesn't really contradict what I just said, but it's a balancing word. Because it's still the case, we cannot enter into that experience for somebody else, and no one else can enter into that experience for us. But it is true that if we are to enter into that experience, we need brothers laboring on our behalf to help us enter into that experience. We'll never do that on our own. That's simply not the way God has arranged his New Testament economy, his administration in the New Testament. He has ordained to have certain brothers raised up as his servants to help the saints into the reality of what we see in the New Testament. And so having these brothers laboring on our behalf is absolutely crucial if we are to enter into this experience. And the reason why I'm, I'm covering this principle first is just very simply the context of these verses in Colossians chapter 1. 
So let's, I'm just going to read through these, and I think you'll see what I'm getting at. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the tribulations of Christ in my flesh for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul here, the Apostle Paul, is talking about his labor on behalf of the saints. That's what this whole section is about. It's about his labor and what he was laboring for, to what end he was laboring upon the saints. That's where this truth about Christ in you, the hope of glory, goes on. Paul even says he's filling up what's lacking of the tribulations of Christ in his flesh for the sake of the body, of his body, which is the church. There was something lacking of the sufferings of Christ. Well, that's not talking here about his sufferings in relation to redemption. There's nothing lacking in that respect. But there is something that's lacking in regards to the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his church. In that sense, there is something that's lacking. And that's what a real minister of Christ, a real servant of the Lord, will fill up, as Paul says here, what is lacking of the tribulations of Christ in his flesh for the sake of the body, for the sake of the church. And that's what Paul was doing here. So already you can see how crucial it is to have ones laboring on our behalf to bring us into the experience of what the apostle is talking about here. Verse 25, he goes on, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which is given to me for you to complete the word of God. So this stewardship Paul had was given to him by God. It's not just a general stewardship everybody had. Paul had a particular stewardship, a particular function in the body of Christ. And it was because he was faithful to that stewardship that we have the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes on, verse 26, The mystery which has been hidden away from the ages and from the generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. Verse 27, To whom God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's that key statement. And then he goes on in verse 28. He says, Whom we proclaim. Paul was proclaiming this Christ in you, the hope of glory. And listening to what he says here, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man full grown in Christ. Do you see how Paul was laboring and how the saints were the object of his labor? It was through the apostles' labor that the saints could enter into the experience of Christ living within them as their hope of glory. It's so crucial to have brothers laboring on our behalf in this regard. If we're ever going to enter into this experience, this is what God has ordained. The Christian life is not an individual matter. If, uh, if you feel, you know, it's just you and God and, uh, you know, your, your Christian life is always going to be a life of spiritual poverty. You cannot break that principle. I, uh, some brothers, they, they, you know, they've, they like to have it when in their study of the Bible. They don't, don't use anything else to study the Bible. It's just they want God's direct speaking in the Bible, and they think that's very spiritual. No, that again, it just, you'll just be impoverished in your understanding of the Bible. No one person could ever unlock all the riches that are in the Bible. God has used so many of his servants through so many centuries to bring forth the riches of the Bible. And if we're going to really enter into the reality of what the Bible is all about and understand what the Bible is all about. We need to avail ourselves of those riches and I would say humble ourselves uh, 
so that it's not just between us and God, but we humble ourselves to recognize the portion the Lord has given to other believers to open up the word of God. And then our understanding of the Bible would be very, very much enriched and uh, so much more full than if we just come to the Bible on our own and feel we can understand everything. It's it's just not going to work. That's not the way God has ordained for it to work. Saints, we are members one of another in the body of Christ, Paul tells us. And that's how we need to view our life. We need to receive the supply from all the members of the body of Christ. And this includes in our understanding of the Bible, in our study of the Bible, and in allowing ones to help us enter into the experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that was Paul. that's what Paul was doing. Warning and teaching every man in all wisdom, he says, that we may present every man full grown in Christ. And the sense here is in Christ means in the extent to which the believers are in Christ, practically speaking, and also in the extent of the measure of Christ that they have within them. When we believe in Jesus as our Savior, Christ, the divine life, comes into us as a seed. The Apostle Peter says we're born again of incorruptible seed. That seed needs to grow and develop all throughout the rest of our life. It can't be dormant. We are not complete in Christ, simply by being born again. It's our spirit that gets regenerated. But the life of God operates in our soul to transform us. That's a lifelong process. Regeneration in our spirit, that's instantaneous. That is a once for all, in a moment, uh, transaction with the Lord. But transformation, which is the divine life spreading into our soul, and I've covered this in some previous podcasts. I'll link to those below in the program notes. That is a lifelong process. It is not something that happens all at once. That's what it means for Christ to grow and be developed within us. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, struggling uh, to bring the saints into this experience. As he says in uh, verse 29, the last verse in this chapter, for which also I labor, struggling according to his working, which works in me in power. He was laboring so hard on this point to bring saints into the real experience of Christ. Thank the Lord for such a servant of the Lord as the Apostle Paul. What a, what a pattern and what an example for all of us. He goes on. I'll just read the first couple of verses in Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face in the flesh. He just poured himself out for the saints to bring them into this experience. He wasn't just laboring to preach the gospel so that saints could have their sins forgiven. Uh, and and go to heaven. That was not his struggle. His struggle, here we see, was to bring saints into the real experience of Christ. He goes on in verse 2, that their hearts may be comforted, they being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, unto the full knowledge of the mystery of God, Christ. That was the apostle's struggle, saints. That was the apostle's struggle. And if we're serving the Lord faithfully today, that needs to be our struggle today as well, to help the saints, to do what we can to enable the saints to enter into the real experience of Christ as their life. Now, as I said in the previous program, one reason why I'm so burdened for this topic is that there are so few brothers today who are really sharing along these lines, who really have this kind of a focus. So few. It's just almost no one, basically, uh, in Christianity, for sure. 
you know, the Apostle Paul tells us in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, the time will come when they will heap up to themselves teachers to tickle the ear, right? It's really so. This is the age we live in. There's so many books being published. This is just nonstop. And uh, so few are really trying and, and, and laboring like the Apostle Paul so that the saints could enter into this experience. You, you just It's almost hard to find anyone uh, ministering along these lines. And that's why I'm, like I say, very concerned about this matter. And you may say, well, what about you? What are you, what are you doing? Are, are you ministering along these lines like the Apostle Paul? And I would say, first of all, you know, I'm very aware of my own shortcoming in this regard. Believe me, I know that. And one reason why I share these things is because sometimes when you share, you're the one who's the first to get the benefit and to maybe see how to enter into more of this kind of experience, uh, first of all. You know, secondly, if you, know, you have to judge for yourself the value of, of what I'm sharing. And if you're listening uh, to this podcast, I hope you feel it does have some value. I hope you feel it has some value helping you in, in that regard of touching something of Christ is your life. But I am aware, as I say, very much of my own shortcoming in this regard. But as I consider this, and maybe this would be an encouragement to you as well, as I, sometimes as I've considered this before the Lord, I've just had a sense, you know, be faithful to what the Lord has committed to you, and maybe the Lord will bring you into something more. That is so crucial. Uh, I think it's just a basic principle of serving the Lord. We have to be faithful to what the Lord has committed to us, even if it may not seem to be a great thing. Now, I have to say, I'm always, I feel very much honored that I have the ability uh, I, I should say the opportunity to serve the Lord as I do. And I, I just thank the Lord for that. It's just an unspeakable mercy, I feel. Uh, and that he allows me to do these podcasts and to, I send out a couple of notes uh, on the Christian life uh, and on the Bible uh, each week, generally, generally speaking. You can sign up for that if you haven't already. It's on the website. Just go to thechristianfaith.org forward slash subscribe. Again, I'll have a link uh, below in the program notes. It's just such a such an honor that I have that opportunity. So I don't, in a sense, I don't really consider that a small thing. In a sense, I consider it uh, a, a truly great honor that the Lord allows me to do that. But on the other hand, you know, can I tell you that so many people are turning to the Lord because of it? Um, you, know, you have to leave that with the Lord. I have to be faithful to serve the Lord as I feel called to do, and eventually. The Lord may work out something more than we expect, something more than what we see. Our goal is not to have a great work. Our goal is to please the Lord, to be pleasing unto him. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.9. We make it our ambition to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And, of course, that's right before the verse in uh, the next verse, 2 Corinthians 5.10, about standing before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what Paul was occupied with. He wanted to be one who was well-pleasing to the Lord. He wasn't after a great work. But look at the impact his ministry has had for so many centuries. Paul is going to be shocked uh, when he sees the impact his ministry had, I think, at the judgment seat of Christ. So that should be our goal as well. We should be those who seek to be well-pleasing to the Lord, even if what the Lord has given us to do may seem to be a very small thing. 
sometimes when you see a, a brother or a sister taking care of a small thing before the Lord, you really appreciate that. Because it shows what they care about is not whether something is great or small. What they care about is whether something is of the Lord or not. That's really precious to the Lord. And we should have that same kind of attitude. And so I, that's what I hope to do in this podcast and in uh, the service the Lord has committed to me right now. And we'll see what the Lord does in the future. So that's where I'm at, you know, if you ask me where I am in regards to ministering along these lines. So even though I am so inadequate, I'm still hoping the Lord will use us to point some of his saints to the experience of Christ as their life and as their hope of glory. But mainly what I want to do in this program is point you to the ministries of the brothers who have really helped me in my Christian life and have helped point me to the experience of Christ as my hope of glory. Because as I say, there's so few so little ministry along these lines available to the saints today. But in the 20th century, there were a couple of brothers who really brought out this experience and did sacrifice themselves to bring the saints into this kind of experience. And those two brothers were Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. And there were some other saints as well that ministered along these lines. So, as I say, I want to spend the rest of the program just fellowshipping with you in that regard about the value of the ministry that these brothers had. And I think the best way to do that is just going to be very simply to share with you, if I may, about my own personal experience of how I came to appreciate the ministries of these two brothers mainly. And I'll I'll mention some other ones too that uh, uh, have been very helpful in this regard. But basically that's what the rest of the program will be about, and we will get to that on the other side of the break. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth, with your walk with the Lord, and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Welcome back. As I mentioned at the end of the previous segment, I want to use this segment of the program to share with you my own experience of how I came to appreciate the ministries of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. And the reason for that is, in terms of what ministry is really healthy and what ministry is going to help you the most, the Lord really has to lead you. Now, every one of us is different. You know, I can't just tell you, get into this ministry, get into that ministry, and and feel that... uh, that's going to work and you're really going to begin to see something of what's on the Lord's heart. The Lord really has to lead you and deal with you and show you uh, what is profitable. And so that's why I thought I would just give you my own experience and my own history in this regard. And it is a crucial matter. Uh, basically, and, and I, as I heard one brother said, one brother say a while ago something that really impressed me, the ministry you choose to receive is basically going to decide your life. 
maybe your whole life, at least especially your Christian life, will be decided by what ministry you decide to receive. And so the Lord really has to lead you, and you should be before the Lord about this matter. Lord, what brothers can really help me see what's on your heart, really help me see what you're doing today, and how I should be following you and pursuing you? Now, as I'm saying this, I do uh, one thing I want to make clear is, especially after what I shared in the previous segment, you do need to be in the scripture, in the Bible, for yourself directly. I just think that's so crucial. Uh, in particular, I always stress the need to have that habit of reading through the Bible year by year, consecutively, from the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation. Of course, there's a number of different uh, programs and schedules for doing that. I have one at 90readings.org, just the number 90 and the word readings.org. Uh, you might find that helpful. The, the simplest way to do it probably is to read three in the Old Testament, three chapters in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament every day. But it's so crucial for you to uh, be in the scriptures themselves because you don't want uh, a ministry to replace the Lord himself. I want to be clear about that. The ministries are for helping us and for guiding us. They should not become a replacement for the scripture, a replacement for the Lord himself. And that's always a danger uh, when you appreciate a minister, a servant of the Lord. So be careful about that. And one big antidote regarding that is for you to be in the scripture yourself in a consistent way day by day. So that's crucial, just to be clear. But again, to be balanced, we also need brothers who the Lord has raised up to help us and lead us and guide us into the real experience of Christ. And we need to be seeking the Lord for his leading in this regard, who we should really receive in terms of their ministry. And I would also say there's, there's an objective aspect to this, which is how much value a ministry really has, spiritually speaking, in itself whether a ministry is really something of the Lord or not. And that's, that's, there's an objective aspect to that. But there's also a subjective aspect to this, which is even if a ministry may not be so much of the Lord, it may not be something that really is that rich in terms of its presentation of Christ, because of where we're at, the Lord may use that ministry to speak to us and to help us on in our seeking of the Lord, just because of where we're at with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, uh, verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even because of envy and strife, but some because of a good pleasure to preach Christ. These indeed preach out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. But the others proclaim Christ not in a sincere way, but, selfish, but from selfish ambition, thinking to raise up tribulation for me in my bonds. What shall I say then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. So even if these ones were preaching Christ out of impure motives, but Paul still felt, well, thank the Lord, at least Christ is still being preached. So that's, that's the subjective aspect. The Lord does honor the speaking of his word. And so even if a ministry may not be that rich, it may not be that much of the Lord, he still may use it to help his believers. But hopefully, eventually, we will be able to discern what really is of the Lord and what is not so much of the Lord. And then we'll be in the things that really are on the central line of what the Lord is doing today. 
So with that, I'll just share with you, as I say, my history in this regard and how I've been helped to really appreciate the ministry of certain brothers. And that story really begins even before I was saved. I graduated from college in 1980, and I've shared my salvation testimony elsewhere. There's a video I have on, on the website. I'll link to that below. So I won't go into too much detail about that. But I, I was saved in, well, I, rather, I graduated from college in 1980. And I was very much at that time interested in a career in conservative politics. And as a result of that, I went out to work at this small uh, magazine on the East Coast in New Jersey. And at that time, the, the, the editor of this magazine, there were only three of us on the staff there, but the editor was a very serious Catholic, and we had to deal with some religious issues. It was, a, well, without getting into it, we uh, had to cover some issues related to religion, and I had no real interest in religion at that point, but because we were covering these religious issues, I began to have some interest. And then this editor, who was a serious Catholic, introduced me to the writings of C.S. Lewis. And very specifically, he gave me the book Mere Christianity. And reading that really began to turn me to the Lord. That was a real help to me. Uh, this would have been uh, 1981, 1982. I was uh, working at that magazine. And because of that, and because of that environment, that's when I began to have more of an interest in I'm not sure how you would say, maybe maybe not spiritual things, but at least an interest in the Bible, an interest in knowing about God, about Christianity, I would say, and about serving God. Now, you know, before my the meaning of life to me had been politics and how to get the world all straightened out. Now I was beginning to have some feeling I wanted to serve God in politics. And that was because, as I say, uh of the environment I was in, and in particular, the help I received from the writings of C.S. Lewis. And his writings, of course, he's quite famous, have been very, very helpful to so many uh, people uh, for decades. He basically was active around the middle of the 20th century, and uh, that book in particular, Mere Christianity, has helped so many people. I left that magazine early in 1982. Uh, eventually, I went out to Washington, D.C., at the beginning of 1983. And I was looking around for a church there because I was more and more serious about wanting to have something to do with God. And I went to this little Presbyterian church and there weren't many believers there. I don't, to my impression, the pastor there was probably not a believer. There were a couple of different ones while I was there. Uh, at least one of them, I think, I'm, I'm quite sure was not a believer. But there were some believers there in that congregation. And one of them in particular... Uh, I really connected with. Uh, his name was Bill, and he was the one who preached the gospel to me. And it's really something, because, I, I, of course, I'm sharing in this episode about Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, the verse that he shared with me that really convicted me was Romans chapter 8, verse 9, which says, uh, in the King James, I think it says, if anyone does not have Christ, he is none of his. And I'd never heard that before. I didn't know really what the Christian faith was all about. And uh, I've, I've written this up and I, I talk about it in the video. You know, I I really couldn't answer the question. He asked me this question, what makes a person a Christian? I didn't know, going to church, reading the Bible. But this was really definite. If you have Christ, you belong to him, the spirit of Christ. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. And I thought, whoa. 
And the next verse goes on and it says, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's Romans 8, chapter 10. And that's the point. I got clear. Well, I better get the spirit inside of me. I better ask the Lord to come and live inside of me. So very much uh, along the lines of Colossians 1, 27. It's a very, very good gospel. And he was the one who really shepherded me those first few months when I was still out in Washington, D.C. And he gave me a few things. I think the first thing he gave me was a pamphlet by A.W. Tozer called The Old Cross and the New. And I appreciate very much the writings of A.W. Tozer. Very, uh, There's just a clarity in his writings sometimes. You just feel you have a... a uh, a greater appreciation of who God is when you when you read his writings. But that uh, pamphlet in particular was really helpful about the real meaning of the cross. You know, in Romans 6, you know, you ha- we need to have a deep impression of this, especially when we're first saved. As many of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. And eventually we walk, uh, we've grown together with him in the likeness of his death so we can grow together with him also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's uh, in that section, Romans uh, 6, I think maybe verses 4 through 6. We need to have a deep impression of that as new believers. And that pamphlet really very much helped me in that regard. And then I think later on he gave me the uh, a biography of George Mueller by A.T. Pearson called, called George Mueller of Bristol. And I, I think he might have loaned that to me. I think later on I had to buy my own copy. And he was the brother who had the orphanages in England in the 19th century as a testimony to the Lord's faithfulness. And he never did any fundraising. He never had any uh, campaigns like that. He simply relied on the Lord and prayed that the Lord would provide the funds that they needed to care for these orphans, which was a big deal in uh, 19th century England. And real testimony uh, to the reality of the Lord and of his care for his people. And his biography is very, very helpful uh, in that regard. I really appreciated that uh, that book as well. But he also gave me a book by Watchman Nee. And that, of course, was the first time I'd been introduced to Watchman Nee's writings. And the book he gave me was Changed Into His Likeness. And that book really opened up the Bible to me. And if you don't know, it is uh, the book. that book is about... Uh, the picture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, and how these three great men signify different aspects of our Christian life. Abraham shows us what is the life of faith. Isaac shows us the life of just resting in Christ and receiving all the blessings that we have in Christ. And Jacob is a life under the dealing of the cross and being transformed by the Lord. Jacob, of course had his name changed from Jacob to Israel. That signifies how we need to be transformed. And Watchman Nee points out when uh, in the New Testament, the Lord calls uh, God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Of course, referring back to Exodus, how God referred to himself. And based on that, Watchman Nee says, these three men show us in a picture the complete view of what salvation really is the life of faith, the life of receiving, and the life of transformation. Very, very good book. Really highly recommend that uh, if you haven't read that. But that, as I say, that was my introduction to Watchman Nee's ministry and really opened up the Bible to me. I didn't know you could really look at the Bible like that and all these types and get 
all these uh, insights into the spiritual life and the Christian life from the Old Testament. Uh, and I was only there after I, I was saved. Uh, well, I, I know the date. It was March 20th of 1983. And I only stayed in Washington, D.C. with Bill for a few months after that. And I was with, we were with some other believers, too. A very, very sweet fellowship, I have to say, on Friday nights. A few of us from that church who were the real believers would get together at this home, this dear couple, Mike and Mary, uh, uh, most Friday nights and for dinner and fellowship. Oh, it was just so sweet. And uh, like I, I say in the video, I don't even, I have no idea what we covered or anything, but just to be with the saints like that, it was just such a sweet fellowship. I really treasured that uh, that time and the, and, the, and the companionship, the spiritual companionship there. I still appreciate it today. But I was only there for a few, a few more months after that. Uh, I think I left in June or July, came back to Chicago. And at that time, I was pretty much on my own. Uh, I was kind of bouncing around trying to find something where I really felt there was uh, a fellowship of believers along New Testament lines. And again, I tell that story of how I eventually came into the church life. There's a video, uh, again, on my website about that. But that hadn't happened yet. I hadn't found yet what I felt to be the New Testament fellowship. That didn't happen until February of 1984. So from that time in uh July or so of 83 until February of 84, I was basically on my own. And during that time, I was very much getting into Watchman Nee's ministry. I really appreciated uh, his ministry. Uh, I remember uh, reading Full of Grace and Truth. And I'm not sure what the other books were of his that I got into. I think there were a few of them. You know, years later, in my apartment, I was doing some cleaning and, uh, and organizing. And for some reason, I got rid of it. was an unbelievably stupid thing to do. But I got rid of these books I had when I was a, a new believer. Those things are real treasures. I never should have gotten rid of those. Anyway, I, re I regret that until this day. But, uh, you know, sometimes you do stupid things like that. So, um, But I know I got into Full of Grace and Truth. That's a two-volume set. And I'm not sure which other ones. But I was getting into a number of his writings and just, like I say, really appreciated his ministry. And what I have found, and I think what many others appreciate as well, is that especially at that time, in, in the, the latter part of the 20th century, generally speaking, it seems like if anyone was a really serious seeking believer, eventually the Lord had a way to bring them to the writings of Watchman Nee. There is just a purity in his writings and an absoluteness for the Lord that um, you really very hard to find elsewhere. And you, when you read these writings, you realize here is a brother who was serious about following Christ. And he was not just giving messages. He was laboring all throughout mainland China to raise up churches as the Lord's testimony in different cities. Watchman Nee was the brother who really saw the matter of the ground of oneness in locality. I think the Brethren had some kind of a general idea of this, but it was Watchman Nee who really made it much more solid and much more firm. This view, the way for believers to gather is simply to come together as the church wherever they live. Now, Watchman Nee and the brother who came after him, Witness Lee, had a strong feeling that the Lord had had a turn from Western Christianity to China because over the centuries... There had been so much built up in Western Christianity that simply was not of the Lord. There's so many traditions, so many teachings, so many things that just clouded the situation and confused the situation. Of course, there are positive things as well. 
but so much there was just not of the Lord. And their feeling was eventually in the 19th century and especially in the 20th century, the Lord had gone to China to have a fresh start to bring the believers back to what the ministry really is in the, the New Testament. What is the real New Testament really talking about? And one of the main things they recovered was how should Christians meet? How should we come together? And that recovery was the recovery of the ground of oneness in locality. We should never come together in a sectarian way. You know, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Presbyterian, like that. that's how I was raised. I'm a Lutheran, I'm whatever. And Paul specifically condemns this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, it has been made known to me concerning you, my brothers, by those of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I mean this, that each of you says, I am indeed of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. You know, you could go on today. I am of Luther. I am of Calvin. I am of Watchman Nee. I am of Witness Lee. You could, you know, anytime you turn a brother into, in his ministry, into a sect, you're being divisive. And, and, and I, I guess I, I, I need to make this very clear. You know, we appreciate and we need to appreciate the brothers who serve us, but we are never of them. We never belong to them. Their ministry is for our sake. We are not for their ministry. And we should never have that view that we're for a brother's ministry. We have to be very careful about this because that's always a temptation when you appreciate a brother, that you overly appreciate him, and then he becomes the focus. And Paul specifically condemns that in 1 Corinthians. So I, I don't even know, how, well, if you're in a denomination like the Lutheran denomination, what happens when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12? What do you do with that? Paul specifically condemns the kind of thing you're doing. Anyway, but, uh, but Watchman Nee, as I say, he got back to the New Testament basis of meeting, which is the believers simply coming together as believers. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Before it talks about the divisions, Paul says, God is faithful, God is faithful, who has called us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the nature of our fellowship. It is the fellowship of God's son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Watchman Nee was the one who really saw that more clearly than anyone else had before him. And so he took a real stand for that. And when you read his writings, the sense you just have is this was a brother who was, if he saw something, he was just absolute uh, and to receive that from the Lord and to pay a price to enter into that and to deal with the Lord about it. So as I say, he wasn't just giving messages. He was raising up churches. He was raising up saints and paying a, a very big price to follow the Lord. And if you don't know, ultimately the price he paid when the communists took over China was that he was arrested by the communists in 1952 and he spent the rest of his life in a communist prison camp until 90, his death until his death in 1972. That was how serious he was for the Lord. And that shows you, um, as I say, he was not simply a teacher. He was a real servant of the Lord. And his uh, long martyrdom was a real seal of the value of his ministry. And of course, he was in prison. He wouldn't know. Again, this is a brother who he simply was faithful to what the Lord had committed to him. But I think, again, this is a brother who's going to be amazed when he sees the impact his writings have had all over the world since he passed away. And of course, a lot of that was going on even while he was in prison, but he had no way of knowing so far as we know. 
Uh, he died without having any idea of that. He simply was faithful to the Lord. He was just really a seed falling into the earth to die there in mainland China to bear much fruit in resurrection. So this was a real servant of the Lord. This is the kind of brother that Paul was, that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 1, warning every man and teaching man, Colossians 1.28, to present every man full-grown in Christ, laboring and struggling according to the Lord's working. We just, you, know, you have to thank the Lord. We should have a deep appreciation when brothers sacrifice themselves for us like Watchman Nee did. You know, when Paul was, uh, he gave his message, uh, parting message to the uh, elders in Ephesus, it says they fell on his neck and they kissed him. They really appreciated his labor on their behalf. We should appreciate these brothers. They're not our focus. We have to be careful they don't replace the Lord, but we surely appreciate their sacrifice on our behalf. And so that's how I, as I say, I really began to appreciate Watchman Nee's ministry. And, and until this day, I do, and I encourage you. Um, I think if you wanted to have a start in Watchman Nee's ministry, the books I've mentioned could be very good, changed into his likeness, and also full of grace and truth might be a very good place to start with his ministry. So as I pause the recording uh, to see where I'm at, I, I'm already at uh, 40 minutes or maybe 45 minutes. And I think this will be a good place to end this episode, and we'll continue in the next on this line, because... In that episode, I need to get into how I came to appreciate the ministry of Witness Lee. And I had to say a fair amount about that. I know some people don't like his ministry. I have to deal with that matter as well. Um, And there are also some other ones that I want to mention along with uh, Brother Lee. And so that's going to take some time, so we'll leave that for the next episode. In the meantime, as I say, I, I hope you'll, if you haven't already, I hope you'll Look at the ministry of Watchman Nee and maybe pick up one of those books I mentioned. I think you'll find it very helpful. And as the Lord allows, we hope to be back with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website, If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.